Welcome to another edition of Inside the Economy. I'm Larry Howes. Thanks for joining me. I want to talk about U.S. labor and income a little bit, some reports out of the IRS, Social Security, what's going on in inflation, and the clear recovery in the Eurozone. Some of the numbers, the GDP estimates for the first quarter came in about three and a half. <laughs> That's a little robust. Uh, it's robust because there's a lot of inventory numbers in there. GDP can't be that high. It's going to adjust down. Last time we talked about this, GDP really ought to be in the high ones. And I think it will adjust down to that. There's no way with inflation not even making 2% that GDP can be as high as 3.5%. It'll adjust down. The bond market has rallied all across the curve. Mortgages are back down in the low fours. Oil is coming down. Nothing unusual there. No inflation in the system. Employment is great. It continues. This is about the last four years of employment numbers. Uh, it's great. A couple hundred thousand every month, new jobs. Uh, about the same amount in layoffs, wage increases above inflation, still running about three and a half ideal for a lot of people in the W-2 wage arena. The IRS came out with one of their interesting studies here a little while ago, top percent of the wage earners in the United States really aren't wage earners at all. They're not relying on W-2 income so much anymore. Most of them have their own businesses, Schedule C income. Even those that use what they refer to as disguised labor, meaning the gig income, people that do client service at home or do contract management or whatever it is they do, there's a lot more contractors out there than there are W-2 employees. So the old wage push that W-2 employment was really a great measure of what's going on in the labor market isn't so much anymore. More and more people are out there on their own and it skews the numbers a little tiny bit. It's fine. We're still going to track the W-2 numbers. They just aren't as significant as they once were. Fair amount of activity in the media about Social Security. Every other year, the Social Security Administration comes out with one of their reports saying when they become insolvent. Well, as a reminder, and most people know this, in Social Security's 84-year history, it's collected about $22 trillion, and that is from wage taxes. It's paid out about $19 trillion, leaving a, quote, asset reserve of $2.9 trillion at the end of 2018. That's what the Social Security Trust Fund reports. They conclude that Social Security is going bankrupt. It is not going bankrupt. Social Security has never been a piggy bank that the government pulls money out of. It has always been a straight transfer payment out of payroll taxes. And there's just more and more of the payroll taxes that they've collected that go out to Social Security. Social Security can't go bankrupt. So the other side of the coin here is inflation in the system, or as you know, lack of inflation in the system. PCE came in at one and a half percent, half a percent shy of the two percent the Federal Reserve really wants to have in the system. It's not going to hold. 
2% is not going to stay in the system. There is no source of inflation that I can find anywhere in the U.S. economy. The primary one is here, oil. It used to be a major driver of inflation. Right now, the United States is number one oil producer on the planet, followed by Russia and Saudi Arabia. It drops off in significance in a hurry. Iraq, Canada, Iran drops off even more. You notice Venezuela isn't even on there. There's no wage pressure that would cause inflation. There's no energy pressure that would cause inflation. Whether there's an increase in tariffs or not with China has no impact on inflation because the numbers aren't that big. It's not a factor in this economy that inflation or inflation-sensitive investments are important right now. There's no way there's going to be any significant numbers in 2019, very likely not in 2020. On the other side of the coin, U.S. profitability, especially in the S&P 500 companies, is doing well again. This is quarterly profitability back to about 2014. It's been averaging about $150 billion a quarter after-tax profits, doing a little better right now. I don't see this changing or, in the worst case, doing nothing but stabilizing in the foreseeable future. Corporate America is very profitable. The dollar, which has been a factor in a lot of these companies in the S&P 500 who do a lot of their business overseas, an increasing currency, in this case the increasing dollar, makes your goods more expensive. And that has stabilized the last couple of years. The dollar is not going to continue to get stronger. It's going to move sideways until the Federal Reserve decides to do something with Fed funds rate. And they made it very clear they're going to leave it alone. Any reason they might have had to raise rates, meaning the economy is getting out of hand, raise rates, make money more expensive, slow the economy down. Or the other side, gee, the economy needs stimulation, so lower rates, make money cheaper, people will invest more. They don't need that too. Money is still already very cheap. There's lots of investment activity going on. They're going to leave the rates alone. One of the reasons the bond market rallied the way it did, and the fact that the dollar, our currency, has stabilized. I think it's, I hate to use the term Goldilocks economy, but we're still there, clearly through 2019. This is from New World Wealth. They track high net worth individuals, where they immigrate, where they transfer, where they move. And it's unusual that Australia is at the top of the list at this point. It's usually the United States. And these numbers are in thousands. So if it says 15, it's 15,000. And remember, these are people that are supposed to have relatively high net worth. It's Australia at the top of the list. And you notice down there at the bottom of the list is the largest country people are leaving, China. They are leaving. First time in a long time, they are officially disappearing over the horizon and moving to Australia. If you have business ties in Asia, Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, China, Vietnam, even Korea and Japan, yet you want someplace where you're pretty sure your money's going to stay intact, it's Australia. The United States and Canada aren't that Asian friendly right now and may not be for the foreseeable future. So the United States is still number two. A lot of people move in here. But France, Turkey, Russia, China, people are leaving as fast as they can. Not significant investment-wise, but it's simply a trend. 
reasonable laws, safer environment. Now, finally, Europe, and we've been talking about whether they've been in recession, how well they're doing, they have recovered very well. Germany's got new low numbers on unemployment, and this is a very broad spectrum of unemployment there, and Germany is the economy that counts. Even though the euro area in the first quarter of 2019 is doing very well. France is pretty much the way it's always been, basically flat. Italy didn't go into recession, which is great, and they're doing very well. Spain's doing great, mostly due to the impact their banks are having. More of your portfolios are going to have these countries in them as their economies are moving along, and they are an important trading partner with the United States. Not as important as Canada and Mexico, but Europe is a great source of customers. No other dramatic news out there. I'll keep track of the interesting parts of it for you. And again, if you have any questions that I can answer, send it to info at shwj.com and I'll jump all over it. Well, thanks for joining me.